Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Conspiranormal. Hey guys, welcome to uh, Conspiranormal. Uh, it's uh, your host Adam and this guy right here. We don't normally do it all visual, but uh, this time we got a more... Um, visual centric episode with some uh, cool collectibles and media from our good friend chris Corey. yeah so if you are listening to this on the uh, podcast feed go to youtube if you want to watch this because uh, chris is going to be showing some some stuff from his collection that we that he has and uh you guys can also see our awesome uh poster in the background for strange realities uh 2021 you guys can see all the uh, pictures of the great speakers that we have. Chris, welcome to Conspiracy Normal, man. Welcome officially to Conspiracy Normal. You've been on a Patreon episode with the recluse about Blue Oyster Cult, and now uh, this is kind of like your first, uh, I guess, show on the main feed. So, welcome, brother. Thank you, man. Uh, it is an honor. For sure, man. We're always yeah, absolutely. We're always talking and hanging out on the the hangouts and. Uh, you, uh, we came to know you as uh, Mr. Vintage UFOs. That's right. Yep. Um, one of your uh, social media handles, and uh, you're always posting pictures of uh, various media, UFO media uh, that you collected. Uh, and we linked up like that. And um, today you're going to get the chance to kind of show some people this stuff and go through the history of uh, UFO media, which is really what. Um, big part of what UFOs uh, culture has really been all about is, is books and magazines and movies and video and uh, should be pretty cool to uh, watch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can see Dr. Future just like peeking over your shoulder there. It's really, 
<laughs> he's he's always judging you. Yeah, judging, judging everybody. Uh, so what we really want to start talking about, though, because uh, yesterday we're recording this on June the 1st. It's hard to believe that uh, this is the first day of June and this year is almost to the halfway point. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about uh, Timothy Green Beckley passed away. I guess it was yesterday or the day before. And this was all kind of sudden. I know that he had had some health problems, uh, some issues, but, uh, you know, I think that you had actually brought some stuff. Did you ever get to actually meet him in person, Chris? I know you met Peter. Um, can you see him? Not. I'm terrible. Yeah, I can see, yeah, we can see him. That's him yeah. and Stan Friedman um, pre-MJ12. Wow. I emailed with him a couple times. Uh, so I was living in New York for a couple of years doing grad school. And it was like one of those things where I was like, I'm going to set something up to meet with this guy because I've been trying to put together this little compendium on like uh, rock music connections to UFOs. Um, there's a couple out there, but not too many. Um, and so we emailed and we talked about Hendrix and then I just never got back to it. Now, now of course it's very sad. Uh, we've lost a, a true Titan. Yeah. of the uh of the weird the weird ufo world and like the the old ufo world and who was still i mean he just he just put out a book uh like a month ago i think yeah um <laughs> somewhat regrettable that doesn't surprise me i mean he was i mean he was very prolific i mean he put out a, a ton of books through his publishing um yeah inner light publishing was uh was one of his publishing arms um I mean, so do you think there's anybody that doesn't know who Tim Beckley is that's listening? Are they like possibly we've had him? Maybe on, we've had him on a couple times. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm really I know glad I've heard him on the show. Yeah, really glad we got to connect a little bit at least before he passed. Uh, but he's just a a treasure. But he was just such a um, such a great kind of old school entertainment guy too. Mm-hmm. Just like classic. He's a carnival classic. barker. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, the way that I first came to know Tim Beckley was just like these these inner light publications, sort of oversized floppy books. Um, he published, of course, all the legendary uh, Commander X material, which, uh, you know, now now I guess it's kind of commonly known that a lot of it was Jim Keith. Um I mean, really what like the Commander X stuff is, is it's like a watered down version of the Dharma combat stuff that uh, Jim Keith was publishing and like, you know, some of that other, um, you know, his, his, his other writings. And, you know, it's, I mean, the secret origins of humankind, mind control, the UFO, the power elite, you know, kind of like the conspiracy stew that I think all of us kind of came into, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago. Most of these books are from the nineties and they're just like, this is beautiful, man. Uh, you just don't see like weird shit like this anymore. Um, tons of cross read. promotion. Yeah. So there's always, always tons of uh, advertising in these things for other volumes in the yeah. series. And I, like, I can't even count the number of these things that are out there and the sort of, like the different iterations, you know, I've seen, there's like really early ones that are like spiral bound. Like you would, you know, pick up for a class in college or something like that. And then there's these really, you know, sort of colorful floppy bound 
style books and they all they just have like these great lurid illustrations like it's it's like a, it's a little bit trashy but yeah but um so first of all i think they, they pop- do cover popular is a better word probably yeah okay they, they cover a lot of interesting and good stuff in here especially if you're maybe not i mean before the internet, like this is the kind of stuff you'd pick up in the back of a bookstore or you'd right. order in the back of a catalog and, you know, you thought you were finding out the truth, you know, especially, I mean, I grew up watching the X-Files, you know, I, I bet, I bet you guys did too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And so like when you get this book and you see this like just bizarre shit, are you really in control? Like <laughs> you're like this, this is, this is the real thing. This is it. And then, uh, man, like, you know, there's like pictures of redacted documents and you get like these just kind of like weird illustrations. He had a lot of illustrations by um, by Wes Crum. Do you guys you you guys know who that is, of course. Um, but he was like a, a comics artist. He was actually mostly did pornography comics. But he yeah. did these crazy fucking illustrations. I actually have his collected comic books. And all of these pictures were in the Beckley books. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a good one. Like here you get like the alien oh, okay. looming over the Capitol building. There's there's a Damsky there, yeah. Travis Walton. Oh yeah. Portrait of Travis Walton. Um nice. <laughs> Dude, look at this great Linda Howe portrait. Like this is yeah, really like yeah. excellent stuff. And they, he would Beckley would use all of the. I, I hope he paid him. Look at this Bud Hopkins picture. Uh huh. You don't have this stuff anymore. I yeah. I mean, not like I want. How far into this are we? Like twelve minutes. Not like I want like a picture like this of you know Jimbo Corbell or whatever you want to call him, but look at that. Look at that Bob Lazar. It, it's just, it's iconic. Uh-huh. It doesn't uh-huh. matter that mm-hmm. it's disreputable. Um, Is that called as, as above, so below? No, it's, it's, Is that what it's called? above top secret. Okay. Above top secret. Okay. So these okay. are, and these aren't actually <laughs> Beckley publications, but yeah. I mean, all the images in both of these issues of this kind, these are self-published by West Crumb and all the images are just used in all these big floppy Beckley books. This is a really big, this is the MJ 12 one. Uh, oh, published several the, times. The, the new evidence. Yeah. Well, great, you know, great. I personally, <laughs> I like to keep up on what's going on in the discourse. And uh-huh. so, you know, it has new evidence on yeah. uh, the MJ 12. So obviously I picked it up. And the, and the picture of the alien is superb on that. <laughs> I look at him. Look. Wow, yeah. He's got, some, yeah, he's got great. forehead on him. <laughs> But that's I mean, I that's said, a lot of his publishing too. Is like a he did just a lot of uh, genius repackaging, and so he would have right. like constant new editions, right. or like turn two old books into one new one, and and you know he's like or vice versa, one old one into two new ones, <laughs> right? Right. Um, he's like the master P of uh, UFO books. Like any good promoter, I fucking love this picture. He reused this image, and this is not a West Crumb image. It's by, I think, Carol Rodriguez. He reused this image for, I'm sorry, it's it's like it. I keep turning it the wrong way because of the mirroring, but this is in a bunch of things. It's just, it's so perfect. It's like the perfect amount of outsider, but, you know, crafted with love. And 
I think I saw you or Gullius. I think Gullius posted a, like a spiral bound um, book on Hangar 18 with that image on it today. Mm-hmm. That is actually so. This his what he posted is like I think the first edition of this. This is okay. MJ12 and the Riddle of Hangar 18. Yeah, but yeah, this is like maybe let's see 1989, but it was first published in 81, which. Can you imagine getting that in 81, a spiral bound book about Hangar 18 and MJ 12? Like, yeah, you got the real you'd deal. You'd be fucking blowing your hair back, man. You'd be spending hours and hours with that, I think. Here we go. The autopsy report from Leonard Stringfield's uh, files. And great. Yeah. So, yeah. And what we've got here is uh, an autopsy on a hand, uh, which looks kind of like a, uh, it looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon hand, kind of. I, I don't know. Uh, the thing about Tim Beckley, man, is he was there for like the whole, you know, most of the flying saucer craze going back pretty far. I guess not to the 40s, but definitely through all the, you know, secret documents era. And, you know, he published a lot of junk, but then he was honest about it. <laughs> he would just say, yeah, sure. Some of it I just published to entertain people. Yeah. I, I, who yeah. cares? I actually, I do want to show, I love this one. If you can find this one, it's just called UFO. It's pretty early. It's from 81. It's a little less sensational. It, it's it got a little bit more, uh, you know, quote unquote, real photos. But there's cool stuff in here, like, um, like a profile on Francie Steiger, uh, who was uh, Brad Steiger's wife and... Who did she was like she was actually she uh, thought she was a star being and there's like this like this is gonna be hard to see. That's this cool. is a photo of uh, the UN and let me read who's in this picture: Gordon Cooper, Jacques Vallée, Claude Poer, J. Allen Hynek, Eric Gary, the Prime Minister of Grenada. Okay. Maybe that's. Uh, UN Secretary General Morton guys look all these really important people and then the last last guy in here is Lee Spiegel and that there's this young ass bearded guy who looks like Charles Manson or something and it appears to be Lee Spiegel sitting in this meeting at the UN with like the Prime Minister of Granada and Jacques Vallée Weird. I'm not saying that anything important happened there. <laughs> but I am saying, like, it's cool that it's published in this book and that you can just flip to it and be like, I wonder what that conversation was like, man. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And it, Beckley really just had like a, he had a ton, a ton of influence. I mean, I'm seeing it now with everybody that's like, you know, uh, sending tributes out to him and, especially there, he touched a lot of people in a lot of people's lives. And um, I'm glad that uh, I got to talk to him, that we got to talk to him when we did. I had Tim on a couple of times and I mean, you know, he, you know, there was a couple of stories that he told, I think the same, the same time. But like, the thing is, is that like those stories and his experiences, that stuff was, was invaluable. I think. And to just hear it, I mean, that's like the important thing really to me. 
and part of the like my my whole reason to do conspiracy normal has been to talk to some of these older guys that may or may not be here very much longer. Beckley, Tim Beckley published hundreds of books, from what I can tell. I I haven't actually found a complete list. Um, some of it's better than others, but uh, but it was done with like a kind of love. Um, where I think he really, I think he really enjoyed it. I think I don't know. It seemed like he really did, though, man. It seemed like he really like. I email, like I said, I emailed him a couple times. He replied to my emails in like four minutes flat, like a stranger. Wow! wow. If yeah. if you if you don't if you don't give a shit, if you're like this is just what I do to get by, you don't respond to those emails. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's. You. I don't know if there's ever gonna be another another guy like that. You know, sometimes you just you you get one, and that that was the guy. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a real promoter, and because he had worked, I think, in the music industry too, in films, and he had also like you know what was he like? He had like uh, some association with Hustler too. You, his you name know? is in the seventies issues for sure. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if it's for the articles or what. Hope it's not for the pictorials. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, well. I mean, that he was definitely. Is, I guess. It is well, okay, but like that's he's just like a classic, like you know, grimy, like grinding on the s- street level, seventies New York kind of dude. Like he's you know hanging out with the New York Dolls, hanging out with you know yeah. people making smut magazines. He's publishing UFO uh, pamphlets. Um, I mean, like he's a product of his time, but he he really took it far, man. And he, that's what I regret. I regret. Because I was always like, I want to talk to you about the New York Dolls. Yeah, I wanted to find out what uh, his experiences were with them, and never, I, I didn't get the chance to do that. And it's it, it sucks <laughs> because that's that's a that's a whole time period that like you know that I'm very vastly interested in because both him and I think Peter Robbins, you know, they both have. Yeah. that intersection between that kind of like early punk rock and then the CBGB scene, Max's Kansas city, all that kind of stuff. And then also and Peter the, has uh, the art world too, you know? Right. Right. It's right, so it's exactly. just like that whole like New York city downtown thing. Yeah. And then the, the, the interest in the UFO world and, mm-hmm. and all that too, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting kind of nexus and how it all kind of like comes together in that way. And, uh, it really, uh, th- these, these guys like Timothy Green Beckley and Peter Robbins and, and, and I think Brent Rains too, and Alan Greenfield, like these are like invaluable guys and invaluable sources, you know, for, you know, going back to like the even older stuff for like, you know, Jim Mosley and Gray Barker and all these people, you know, like they, they're, they're kind of the link from like the middlemen from us to them in a way. So. I, uh, I mean like one or two more thoughts. I feel like, um, well, I feel like now there's like a move to really like sanitize like the UFO culture again and like Mm -hmm. make it more respectable and i just 
obviously there's a place for like serious inquiry and there's even a place for like academic inquiry on this subject, but I, I don't want to see all the fun get squeezed out of it. Like I I don't Mm want to, I don't want Tim Beckley and, and Jim Mosley and and those kind of guys to only be a memory. Um, and I just, I also hope, I hope that there's someone in the family that's going to be able to, know what to do with what I assume is a, a lifetime of archival material. Um, yeah. You know, God only knows what this guy has in his home. I know. Yeah. For um, real. You know, and I, I mean, I assume people would be reaching out to him that, you know, were maybe friends of his, but, but I, you know, I'm crossing my fingers that that stuff doesn't just uh, evaporate um, as these things, you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder who's going to go through all that material. Someone and, lucky, and, and, yeah, <laughs> and, in my opinion. Yeah, I know, and and look through and look through all of that. Um, I know that uh, you know he had had some heart issues uh, that he had had a pacemaker put in a few years back, and um, but it was still pretty sudden, you know, because we, I mean, honestly. Um, when did we speak to him, Serfiel? It was probably August of last year. I mean, it yeah. wasn't well, it wasn't that long ago, really. Someone like him, you know, has just so much life in him that you yeah. never expect that to just happen, you know. No right. matter how he was probably doing health wise, he just was bursting with energy and life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it just seems like he never stopped. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that probably kept him going for longer than. It, he would have perhaps, you know, that's usually how it goes with people like that. So uh, he had a real passion for it. You know, he may not have had to have kept doing it, but it's just what he did. I wonder, uh, you know, at the core of it, at the end of the day, like, you know, because he published a pretty wide range of stuff and he'd be like, yeah, I don't believe, you know, half of, half of this stuff is just, you know, BS and some of it's made up. And I know that. But I wonder where he landed on some of this stuff at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, sort of like when the lights go down and uh, that that's the kind of thing that I wonder about with uh, with especially with a lot of these uh, older, older folks who go away. Um, You know, you don't get like a last interview with them, so you got to make sure that you you ask them, uh, you know, why you have them. You know, I was thinking about Ann Druffle. Uh, in the same way because she passed away a few months ago. And I was curious, you know, I was like, man, I wonder, like, I wonder if, if someone knew that, like, you know, she was going to pass away, you know, and you just sat her down and you got the, got the questions you wanted to ask in what, what the answers might be. Mm -hmm. Well, I think like Greenfield has given us a lot of insight into, I think a lot of them might really see the, the trickster element as an important part of it you know so that that might have he might have definitely thought there was something to all this but thought you know hey this is part of it this is the game that we've been playing for all these years and weird shit does come out of playing that game too so it's i would i would suspect it's something like that like like alan greenfield really talks about but yeah the the we just hope it doesn't get too sanitary it's already boring i mean we We've been joking a lot. I've been joking a lot with Adam and David Metcalf and like how much this stuff is like different music uh, phases and like 
basically like it, it feels like UFOs are going through its like pop punk phase, you know, where like Ugh. everyone's on Epitaph Records trying to get a uh, major man. label deal and like but you know, there's always gonna be the 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 real shit. And um you know, if there's anything to that trickster stuff, then it's gonna continue to um it'll marginalize itself again, you know, something this will blow over and it'll just be back to the hardcore roots again. We'll see. Well, when I was grabbing stuff today, I mean, I I, I don't have like an insanely huge collection of stuff, you know, and I don't want to like position myself in that way. You know, I don't want to be disingenuous with anybody. I love to just go to weird libraries and find the paranormal occult section, pull books out. And, you know, I post them on the Instagram. Um, but I was trying to find things where, uh, you know, I was thinking like what's being left out of the conversation right now. And like, what was the conversation at different times? You know, like what were people talking about then? Cause right now all I see is, you know, PR campaign basically. Right. Right. You know, like a few dozen newspaper articles, none of them are about anything. And, you know, they're basically, they're just, they're reporting that someone else wrote a newspaper article. And so it's like, well, if you want to move beyond, if you want to move beyond the pop punk of it, you know, the sort of cornier aspect, uh, like what else, what else is there? And like, why, why should you, what, you know, like what, what can you find out there um, without, without dropping a lot of money, just finding interesting stuff. That's, that's nice and beautiful looking. And, uh, and it's also weird as hell. <laughs> right. Well, with this, you know, everything going on now, it's like uh, there's, you know, obviously a lot of misinformation and disinformation and weird stuff, but uh, it's coming from like official sources. Whereas we're talking about like Beckley's empire and kind of the seedier publishing and coming from the the bottom, you know, coming from the people, like there was plenty of bullshit too, but it just seemed so much more interesting to sift through that than to sift through what's coming now, it feels like. A lot of bootlicking going on. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, uh, all right. I, I promise we won't talk about this too much, but there's, a, there's definitely a lot of uh, like UFO people like trying to make this about them. And it's like, this actually isn't for you. This is for like my mom who opens the paper and sees like the Tic Tac picture for the first time and is like, well, you don't say like they're looking at, you know, spacemen here. This isn't for you. This isn't for us. This is a yeah. PR campaign, um, you know, that eventually will, you know, as a bunch of other people before me have said, is going to lead to some contracts for some, you know, big companies. And it's going to be way sexier for Raytheon to say, like, we're looking at UFOs, then we're bombing children in some other country. You, and, you know, it's just, you know, two people scratching each other's backs and. And then there's a few people sprinkled in there who I think probably have a genuine are hoping that something truly weird shakes loose and they get to put their eyes on it, you know? Um, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be these, uh, you know, pseudo journalist podcasting uh, folk. Yeah. It's not going to be like a popular media. It's going to be coming from, coming from big, big media and government. I mean, no disrespect because she's very accomplished, but like, I think, you know, Leslie Keene probably thinks she's maybe going to get to put her eyes on something that the rest of us might not get to see. Right. You know, she's, she's towing a line. She's 
somebody is doing a, a public relations campaign, you know, and she is a part, a part of the face of that, you know, she's being interviewed on TV. You, it, like you're writing in the New York times, like, you, you know, there's barriers to get there. It's not just cause she wrote a book on UFOs. Like very many people have. Um, and so like what, it, what it comes down to is I think there are some people like her, maybe, maybe they get a taste of the, you know, whatever it is they're trying to get. Um, Maybe it'll even be true what they get to what they get to see that the rest of us don't. But um, for most of the people out there, um, you're going to get the official story and not much more. Um, and I don't know, the official story they're giving seems really fucking boring. Um, and it seems like they don't know anything. <laughs> it's just, it's all definitely I, not I, enough for them to write hundreds of cool books like uh, Becky yeah. published. So yeah i think he would have given this the big thumbs down <laughs> yeah for sure I, I mean whatever this shit is not for us this is yeah. these news articles uh these 60 minute things who cares it's yeah. for people that have you know never thought about any of this stuff beyond like uh you know uh will smith movies well the problem is that a lot of people just don't really care. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people just, they don't, they don't give a shit about this. They, I mean, I, well, it's the same way. Like I don't care about somebody else's hobby. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I, I'm not like, Oh man, tell me everything about knitting person who loves knitting. Uh, I'm, I'm just like, Oh, you knit. That's cool. That's a I, weird I, little thing. I think if they came out and said like, "Oh, we know it's definitely aliens," you know, maybe that would be a thing. But they're not saying that, and they're just saying we don't know what it is, which is fine. I, you know, I'm 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 totally fine with that. But the thing is, is just like I just don't think with everything that has happened in the last year and a half, in the last four years. People just don't care. And besides the, like the, the really hardcore people and the people that want to make TV shows out of this, which has already been done. Most people just don't really care about what's about, about what's going on. And that, and a lot of people don't realize that the Tic Tac video stuff, and that's like six, that's what? 17 years old now. Yeah. Maybe they can make it political and everybody will care. Yeah. <laughs> Find a way to make it a politically yeah. divisive issue. And we're probably well, dealing with something. The reason why they're even saying anything about the Tic Tac video to begin with is that it's probably something that is being in the process of being declassified. That is ours. Yeah, it's very likely. Um, I mean, all of these are likely scenarios. And like... Yeah, I don't know. It's going to shake out however it's going to shake out. Like, I'm just, I'm perplexed by the, the people that are like up to the minute with this stuff, you know? The, well, they want to be like validated, a, and they all even honestly, you know, they say that openly. So. so, I mean, I'm not really into this shit to be validated. I'm self deprecating <laughs> enough about it. And, you know, I don't, I don't see how you get into this to like expect other people to like it. You know, I mean, we like all kinds of extreme music and things like that that like you you don't get into it thinking that you know it's gonna be 
validated one day or the majority of people are going to like it or it's just a different attitude. I don't know. Yeah. And, and disclosure, the whole disclosure thing, not to, not to beat this point to death, but the whole disclosure thing is just, it's just millennial thinking. It's millennial thinking transposed to the UFO realm. That's all it is. It's the same thing as what I recognize and what I saw in the prophecy, in the Christian prophecy, evangelical community, it's always coming, but it never quite gets there. It's always the same. And, well, you know, it's uh, the uh, people think that like the, well, if disclosure comes, maybe it's not going to be that big of a deal. I, you know, I, I don't know. Well, it's funny because it's like all these people that are predicting disclosure for so long are now like scrambling to keep up with it. You know, some, I guess this is some kind of act, you know, they're disclosing that like, this is a valid concern to some people who have power. You know, you have like Marco Rubio. I mean, they keep fucking interviewing Harry Reid. Like the guy's retired, you know, he's out of the business. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Maybe like Bigelow takes his calls, but like who fucking cares? Yeah. You know, but it, it's like, and then you have like your Bryce Zables or somebody who are, uh, you know, now have to like integrate this into like, you know, well, in his case, you know, he's just always proposed possible scenarios, but now he has to integrate this new information. And, you know, I mean, Obama, like the guy that lots of, you know, lots of people like still came on TV and was like, oh, yeah, I've seen them, but I don't know what they are. Like, you know, the way that these disclosure people have been positioning something like that for so long. Uh, like that would be the bombshell, and just like, yeah, I don't think my parents even noticed crickets until, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I gotta go back to the paranormal layman himself, uh, Mr. Banal. You know, he said on your very show, he said, Show mm -hmm. me the fucking alien or shut <laughs> up, right? Right, and I think he's so very right. Um, For God sure. bless him. So well, let's uh let's switch it up, and uh, everyone knows we're a bunch of dis anti-disclosure curmudgeons. But um, let's get to some of this uh, people's media that you uh, collect, Chris. And uh, how how did you first get into like um, really kind of collecting some of this stuff? Oh, I have a problem, man. I just I I've been a collector <laughs> for life. Baseball cards. It's always good to have some sort of problem. Okay, yeah. So start, started with baseball cards. Yeah, I believe so. Um, you know, I mean, you know that I, I buy a lot of records and I have a big record collection that, you know, that's like a fun hobby. But like uh, often it extends to ephemera, you know, so like uh, zines and posters and, you know, little knickknacks of bands and stuff like that. I'm trying to see if I have anything here. Pins. Um, but so I started started grabbing like a UFO related stuff, too. I mean, I was kind of like, I was like reading conspiracy blogs and stuff in the mid 2000s. And then I stopped for a while because I was like, man, some of this shit is just too dark. And then I came back to it maybe like 2014, 2015. And, you know, it's about that time. I was like, you know, like some of this stuff, like I specifically thinking of the Beckley books, actually, I was like, these things are not going to be around forever. Like these are physical media. They're already going away. And like, 
people should be saving them because they're they're like these beautiful specific artifacts and again like i'm not i'm sure there's people listening that have tons of cool stuff i'm not like the keeper of cool stuff like if anything i want to emphasize like with very little money and just yeah. with a little bit of you know a little bit of time on your hands like you can find all kinds of cool ufo related stuff and it's gonna let you know more about like what the conversation was when that piece of media was made um and maybe take you away from the boring the boring mundane current uh discourse but um, yeah and i mean starting with the the pulp mags and uh even further back i mean it it really is a heavily mediated uh subject i mean ufos have really been about um, magazines and books and photographs and you know it's very mediated one thing that i think is like almost a little sad is um like you get like these well, great cool. illustrated let me take this out of the bag so that there's less glare you get these great sort of illustrated things and you know a lot of these they had to be creative and do yeah drawings and stuff and I feel like uh, a lot of people in like the music world and, you know, at, you know that like I was around like hardcore and punk for a lot of my life and they still really fetishize yeah, um, like sort of the look of something like this, you know, which is just a bunch of pasted up articles. Based and illustration too, like you're saying, like uh, because these are um, things that, uh, you know, aren't, uh, you know, may not be real to most people or there's not a lot of photographs of. Um, when you're making visual representations, you got to rely on the illustrations. Yeah. So that's an illustration of Bob Renaud's, uh, I think that's how you say his name, Bob Renaud's um, scout craft that he was taking aboard. Bob Renaud's a pretty, pretty run of the mill contactee guy. Um, although he did used to talk to, there might be a picture of him with his radio set up in this issue. He used to talk to the UFOs on a, like a ham radio setup, you know, which. Yeah. We can speculate it was probably, you know, some kind of Russian spies or something. And I believe, let's see, this is, <laughs> so in the Amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America uh, magazine, they ran a number of volumes on Bob Bernard's story. And this is part 33 of his contactee story. Um, it's not very exciting. Uh, although, you know, maybe, maybe something like the saucer life could uh, make it digestible. But um, I mean, it's just it looks great, man. And like, I think it's one of the things that's lacking in the current UFO scene. It's like you get all these ugly, uh, really bad generated graphics, yeah. and like I don't care for that at all. Um, one thing that I grabbed, this is a book called "The World of UFOs" by Daniel Cohen, and I've talked about this before with people, but he wrote. He wrote a couple of uh, sort of paranormal and UFO themed books, and they were for like young adults. And this I checked out of the library when I was like twelve or thirteen, and I wrote a I wrote a report on UFOs. <laughs> um, awesome. Now you and you may be like, yeah, whatever, that's cool. So first of all, again, just great fucking graphics. That I couldn't remember the name of the book for like almost thirty years. Is that right? let's say 25 years. And I just remembered it had this big yellow UFO on it. And I finally found it when I saw it, I knew it was this book. 
And I actually found I found the book report recently, which is yeah. Uh, you get, you've, got, you've got to post that up. It's very embarrassing. I should not have gotten an A on it. Um, the most interesting part of it was, uh, well, a couple. Of, you know what? I don't want to. This book is awesome. If you want, <laughs> if you want a book that's a great primer on the UFO scene before 1980, basically before MJ12 and that whole you know saga this book is great you can probably read it in a night or two if you're a fast reader maybe an afternoon it's not just flying saucers in here they've got a he the bibliography has like five or six john keel books in it like for kids you don't get that anymore man now i I don't know now you would just get like I'm i'm not even gonna speculate um They reference valet in here. They reference Charles Fort. Like, that's really impressive. And it's maybe 150 pages. You get this book for like five bucks used on Amazon or eBay. It's it's really not expensive. It's my copy has an old library card in it. That's I guess that's that's really where the mania started. <laughs> um, was reading that book when I was a kid. Um. Yeah, I think I, we all have those kind of um, those. First do you do you remember what yours was? Or, Did you have like a thing? I mean, probably more than anything, the mysteries of the unknown time life series. Uh, my parents got like we got like four of them, I think, before they stopped a little subscription. But the UFO phenomenon one, I still have it, and it's got like a a piece of the cover that was chewed off by like a dog we had at one point. <laughs> uh, but I still have it. I think that had some real iconic images that really got burned into my mind. Um, anyone who's friends with me on Facebook knows my profile picture is like, probably is like me drawing a saucer with a beam coming down with chalk in my driveway. <laughs> and that's probably a direct inspiration from like one of the images from that. So for but, me, I mean, I had uh, the, the time life books and stuff and stuff. I probably would have checked out from the, from the library. Uh, there was like, I mean, in, in Chattanooga at the one of the, the library branch that we used to go to all the time, you know, he's like in the zeros, whatever of the Dewey Decimal System, you had the UFO mm-hmm. books. And I would go and I would just check out these weird books, just like weird stuff, ancient mysteries, all tied in with UFOs, you know, chariots of the gods and all this type of stuff. And uh, there was another book that I can remember checking out from my high school library, very early high school, that was all about ghosts and it having like all the weird ghost photography and all that. So, like, really for me, the first kind of stuff that I really got into was probably the ghost stuff okay. for me. It was less the UFOs. That maybe came a little bit later. But, like, just the weird books in the library, the weird books in the high school library, just any books that, like, I could get my hands on, I would just devour all this weird shit, you know? I remember checking out a ghost book in maybe, like, second grade, and it had, like, the ghost photography in it. And I I brought it home, and I was too scared to look at it. (laughs) My parents Uh were like, Uh my parents were like, what's wrong? And I was like, what? and I think I might have even had to like, you know, you had to like read the book and write a paragraph about it. And I was too scared to read the book. 
Yeah, um, it was all kind of crazy pictures, you know, the the pictures of Mary Todd Lincoln with the with Abraham Lincoln, all the old spiritualist photography and all that weird kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is just creepy anyway, even though it's completely totally fake, but you know. Yeah, but when you're like 8, you're just like, yeah, I don't know, this yeah. looks pretty real yeah. to me. Yeah. 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 And here's a map of Atlantis <laughs> was, and here's what that alien looked like uh, an illustration and yeah. Yeah, there was another book that I had growing up that was um, later middle school, high school that was like a called UFOs, the Continuing Enigma, and there was stuff in there like from like Brad Steiger and you know I, I need to look at it again, all about alien abductions and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. You know, here's a Steiger book actually published by Beckley, and Beckley published a lot of Brad Steiger stuff. Um, Metcalf's like on a real Brad Steiger kick recently. I don't know if you guys know that. But. Oh, we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, one of the cool things that I actually got recently, man, is this. And we talked about this in one of the one of the uh, Zoom chat nights. But um, the it's, tape it's, collection. It's a it's a double oh, tape shit. set. Um, with. Francie Steiger reading on it. Um, it comes. It comes with this booklet from Valley of the Sun, which is like this uh, New Age sort of publishing arm, and they published a lot of New Age music. The music is by Steve Halpern, who is like a super prolific uh, New Age guy. Which we we talked about him in the the last chat because um, he did this uh, LP with Ingo Swan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like bad disco music. That's, uh, <laughs> but it's awesome. weird because so Halpern. So this is another thing that me and Metcalf have both been really like uh, revving each other up about just, and you can get, there's so many Steve Halpern LPs and I've been picking them up for like, I don't know, five or six bucks a piece, which is rare for any like used LPs at this point, you know, they all look like this. Um, Halpern was so he's sort of like he started out as a jazz guy in New York and he um he was hanging I think he was in like the Coltrane Cannonball Adderley like that circle you know kind of like on the fringes of that um piano guy but I think he played some other instruments maybe trumpet or something like that um somehow he ended up at the Esselin Institute as like the lobby piano player which is so fucking weird. Like, you know, like I picture like the, that like uh, weird, like basically fake Esalen Institute and beyond the black rainbow and just seeing like this weird dude draped in like, you know, mandala all over print, you know, no, yeah. uh, silk clothing, like playing piano in the lobby there. <laughs> so Halpern's out on the West coast and he goes to the Redwoods and he has like a contact experience. Um, he said he was, contacted by these beings he channeled a bunch of them and they told him the new way of playing music and the new way of playing music i mean the steve halpern musical style and let me see i think i have his man all these records look the same this is spectrum suite which is sort of like the quintessential halpern record um it's like very impressionistic it's very like 
it's almost like a parody of like what you think of when you think of new age music, but it's, it's very minimal too. Um, and he's got like, he's got like dozens and dozens of releases. Um, but you know, somewhere along the way he linked up with the staggers and he made this weird, uh, instructional tape for activating the star person. Um, an album of spiritual exploration through meditation and directed hypnosis. I listened to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's him playing the background music and them telling you to focus on your inner star seed. And, you know, it's about what you expect, but um, it's just so fucking bizarre and like trippy. Um, and the best, I think the best thing is uh, there's a little printed warning on the label hypnosis do not use in a moving automobile <laughs> nice um so you know Great. friends don't let friends do uh starseed hypnosis in the car bad idea um yeah uh here's another this is just a i like i don't even have anything to say about this but it's just it's a LP, abridged LP of Flying Saucer's Serious Business, and it's it's signed by Frank Edwards. Cool. And he's uh he just he serious narrates. business. <laughs> yeah. So I I read in the New York Times that Flying Saucers has never been taken seriously before, like last week. But according to this, and this is actually dated Frank Edwards, nineteen sixty seven. They were already serious business folks, so don't fucking believe the hype. Um, all right. So there, there were also like a lot of, uh, there was a re- recording industry, uh, no matter how primitive around flying saucers too. tons of stuff. Well, because like we didn't have <laughs> to be this person, yeah, like, you know, we didn't always have podcasts <laughs> and, uh, you know, back in the day we used to have to find our stuff on physical media um here's another one this is clips from long john yep, neville's show i've got i've got that too mm-hmm. i think we talked do you have um here's another one the occult explosion i know i showed you this right yeah i did not have that that's pretty cool this is cool because it's sort of the full sort of full spectral dominance of weirdness and it has a uh has these like nice bound pages in the gatefold um uh, and it has a 10-minute speech by Stan Friedman. It has Anton LaVey. I'm trying to find who else we have here. Oh, Black Widow, the band, uh, actually yeah. has a couple of songs on here. Um, you know, When did that come out? This is 73, 1973. Cool. So you've got a very young uh, Stan Friedman in there, just, just right next to Anton LaVey. And... Um, Alan Watts. Oh, and there's a uh, Yuri Geller uh, in here, I think, as well. Maybe, maybe this is too early for him. Even if it is, I've got this shitty Yuri Geller LP that's actually worse than the Halpern Ingo Swan record. <laughs> um, but Yuri walking out of like that galaxy portal thing on the cover makes it worth it to me. Does he tell you how to bend spoons? No. Um, no, these are literally songs with lyrics by Yuri. Uh, some are, the, the first one is Come On and Love. It's not, not a cover Amazing. of Kisses, Come On and Love Me. Amazing. 
Um, hear the voice, the soft enchanted voice. It turns the forest green. It makes the flowers dream. It's what they call imperfect rhyme. Uh, there's another song, Beyond Imagination, Velvet Space, This Girl of Mine, The Lonely Man. Lyrics by uh, Harry Geller. Man, who who knew? Who knew I, that the man was also a song, a, a true songwriter? So yeah, mean, just just like we see UFOs, like kind of coexisting in this in the soup of conspiracy and New Age spirituality and weirdness throughout, you know, the times that we remember coming up in. Uh, it always kind of could cross over and coexist in these different worlds as well as existing independently. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting that that's all on all on one thing. I got to show this uh this 45 while while we're doing records. This is a this is a band called the Darvisets and the record's called Do the Crop Circle. Oh yeah. And this is like one of my favorite punk records of the 90s. It sounds like it's from the 70s. It sounds like the, you know, germs and the bags the avengers and all that kind of la stuff from the 70s and all the songs are flying saucer themed um you got and i mean it's very steeped in the 90s i actually i helped put out a record for them later and we actually used art from a beckley book um in the layout so that kind of gives you an idea it's like it it's a they got a song called contact d the martian waltz another roswell do the crop circle (laughs) um there's like a song at the end where he yells out bill cooper was right um like a super a super fun man and like it's actually it's kind of hard to find but i i it is on youtube and i uploaded just a straight vinyl rip of it um so if you search for the darvisets do the crop circle you'll find the best you'll find the real ufo punk not not that not that other shit that we already talked about. <laughs> there you go. Um, and it's it's legitimately good punk too. This is like, it's not just cool because it's UFO. It's definitely the best music out of all the ones I just showed. All right, what else do we have here? I love this book, man. This is like not a good book, but it's really cool. And nobody really cares about it, but it's called the October scenario. I just think this is like so outside the kind of books that you get that get talked about. Um, And the, the premise of the book is that real space aliens came to earth in 1973, uh, peaking in October of that year and then they split and that's it. They were here, they're gone and that's it. And it's just, it's just a weird little thought exercise, man. Um, it's almost, uh, it's almost biblical. Like, uh, people who don't think that God talks to people anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's written by captain Kevin D Randall. I'm not sure what, what, uh, but he's a captain. <laughs> yeah, what part of the armed forces he was in. But, um, you know, they cover uh, the um, Pascagoula guys in here and a few other things. And that he, he maps out actually a few sort of sub-scenarios of the October scenario. But it, what it's basically about is the 1973 um, 
wave. You know, he like he's proposes that like some of the earlier sightings were like scouts and then 1973 was sort of like the apex of it and then um and then that's it then they saw that what they were dealing with and they just they just left well man is is he going to do with monkeys war because he talks about october 1973 i don't think it mentions that in here no because that's a that's a big part of Stephen Greer's stuff, is hmm. that like he got contacted by the aliens in 1973 during the Yom Kippur War. Do you know what month that war happened? October 1973. Adam is definitely a history buff. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, October oh, 1973. Uh huh. Yeah. October. Wow. Yeah. Dude. Well, that I mean, that's the October scenario. I don't know. I, I think it's cool to to look around and find things like this stuff that gets cut out of the conversation, not for being necessary. I mean, look, it's all disreputable, you know, like it's UFOs. It's it's mostly speculative. Um, but there might be a puzzle piece in there, you know? Yeah. Or it just might get you thinking about something differently. And it might get you thinking about something in a way that the conversation is not, you know, even looking at right now. Um, yeah, these all kind of represent like you know the classic reality tunnels of uh, of uh, Robert Anton Wilson, um, and kind of like you know books in general and fiction like are are kind of portals to another world, but especially like these these UFO books. I mean, they can they can really take you somewhere. You know, they're almost like uh, they almost become like magical paraphernalia. Almost. I mean. I- I think, you know, like how, how you engage with something like inherently has to be defined by like, you know, how you're already engaging with it. And so like, if all you're doing is listening to like, you know, 17 podcasts where. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success they're just breaking down like every frame of the tic-tac video like and that's all you're gonna really like get out of it but i don't know man like 
don't you want to read unusual personal experiences? Yeah. What's the what's the subtitle in there? And now, so this is actually this is the Roper survey. This is the okay. infamous Roper survey. This this was a dollar at a at a paranormal uh, library in Virginia Beach at the Casey Center. Um, they were getting rid of it, and this has, you know, it has the findings of the Roper survey in it, and it's. I mean, it's useless. Well, first of all. As, as I keep saying again and again, I love this cover. Very evocative. It's just all these regular mundane people staring off into the distance. And I kind of think unusual personal experiences was like them trying to rebrand abduction the way they're trying to do UAP with UFO now. But I do like that they put personal in there because everybody always goes on and, you know, this is a very personal experience. Contact is a personal experience. Experiencers, experiencers. It's a nice little, uh, it's a nice little between the lines thing, but um, you get, I mean, this gives you an idea of the time, man, in like kind of a very straightforward way. You have Bob Bigelow, you have Bud Hopkins, you have David Jacobs and all right, like it's definitely an interesting read. I mean, for what it is for a bunch of statistics, it's it gives you a real like window into this time, into the into those uh, the the abduction panic, as I would call it. Mm. Um, which for me, it gets me thinking like, well, what was that? You know, like what, like what, what was going on? Like, whatever you want to, you know. And I, I'm not trying to pitch one theory over the other, but I think it's just interesting to like really consider like in hindsight like like what the fuck happened in the 80s that that it got to like almost a fever pitch of like people afraid of being abducted and dissected by spacemen i was personally terrified as a child so fucking scared (laughs) i thought any night any night it was gonna happen you know same here I uh, saw the cover of communion in the library. There he is. I've got him protecting me yep. right now. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I mean, it's, it's just a, I, I think it's just a number of things. I mean, I think it's just like, you're right. It, it did reach this like weird kind of fever pitch. It's and like think, the satanic panic, right? Right. Like, it, I was it yeah, got to that level. Right. It, it, yeah. And I think that the satanic panic material and the alien abduction material is all happening at the same time. So like Bud Hopkins writes intruders like in what 1987, maybe 84 missing. Wait, oh, time. intruders is 87 missing times. 84 missing time is 84. Yeah. So I was thinking it was 82, but yeah. So it's all, it's all around the same time. And then also 8788 is, is Streber's communion. So it's all happening. And I think that it just, it, it almost becomes like meshed together in a lot of people's minds. And especially with like, this is also the same time as the rise of the talk of the, of the talk show on TV and on media. And both subjects are being talked about. We're talking about alien abduction. We're talking about uh, we're talking about satanic panic stuff. <laughs> the Satanists are coming to get you. The aliens are coming to get you. 
And then the cattle mutilation stuff was blamed on either aliens or Satanists. So there's an interesting parallel there. Um, I think the intruders movie was like 1991. It's 92 because it's right before fire in the sky. Um, Right. Right. Which both were written by Tracy Torme. And that movie in and of itself has got some really terrifying imagery in it. So, you know that, that I love it. I've told that, you before. It's very, like a, yeah, that is a scariest thing they've ever showed on, on primetime TV. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's frightening and um, it's very, very effective, but that's also the, I mean, that's like the, the time period of right as the satanic panic is really just like, has really taken off and just got to its pure ridiculousness. So I, so I really think that there's like, that you got, like it's interesting how they how they match each other somebody i think could do a whole phd thesis on that (laughs) for real i think they could but i think i wouldn't be happy with the conclusion Uh because i i'm always a little bit i i'm never totally on board with people blaming mass delusion for for every goddamn thing that happens um now i'm not saying it was spacemen and i'm not trying to be like well it was actually fairies and they came here you know through another dimensional portal i I don't know if it was any of those things um but but i don't know if it's mass delusion like uh metcalf said to me well QAnon is a mass delusion right like we know what a mass delusion looks like and like it doesn't really look like the abduction panic i don't think um it's not quite the same yeah, it's pretty dark, but I think both what both of them have in common is they gave um, real uh, elaborate stories for a lot of people to channel their trauma into their real. I think that's a possibility. Um, I mean, that's yeah, you know, things are probably a lot more mundane, but uh, putting it in those those kind of uh, you know, big epic uh, stories for people really, really seem to help people. So, but that's just that's one part of it. I mean, I think yeah. that there probably is real experiences too. So, who knows? It's an interesting thing to consider, man. But yeah, why did it? What? When did it kind of like turn down? That's what. That's what I'm. Like we know when it really started, but what kind of happened? How did it just, it seems like it just out of nowhere. Really? I mean, maybe the that was just the media stuff, attention. Yeah. I, I think that probably the late nineties, I think is really when it started to kind of just like start to kind of go away because it really kind of reaches its fever pitch probably around about the mid nineties. Yeah. There was like this um, special, that was on one of the major networks. I don't remember which one, but I remember seeing it at about 96 because like 93 is when the X file starts sightings starts around the same time. Maybe that was like 92, a little bit earlier. So that was like kind of your, your big paranormal TV show of the time, which that was ghosts and alien abductions and oh, UFOs, yeah. Those like were my favorites. Bigfoot, everything, whatever. And so, there was this TV special that I remember seeing that was like all about alien abduction. And I could have kind of, and there was a book that came out about like an, a meeting where people talked about their being abducted. 
And around about 96, 97, 98, it kind of started going away. Because Y2K was coming. Yeah. So there was, it, that's kind of what I remember as being kind of like the high point of the whole, the whole, like, you know, the grays and the abduction phenomenon. Well, and that coincided with kind of the drop off in the, the, like right-wing extremism and a lot of that conspiracy stuff too. The militia yeah. movement, like it all kind of. Right. Right. There's yeah. There's just, you deal with, I mean, it's like the age of paranoia, you know? Yeah. And, and of course everything that like go rightly has written about and like the alien bases and all that kind of stuff, how that gets mixed in. This stuff gets really, really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's interesting, you know, because like this is the mythology, the mythologies of our time, and like people like us are into these these source texts, and and you know, like going back and like where did these like memes initially come from, and how do what worlds do they mix in, and how how does something like that eventually get to uh, being a part of something like QAnon or something today? It's you know, mm-hmm. we're we're kind of tracing these genealogies. It is kind of becoming that sort of thing and um i mean you know not to make it like a QAnon conversation but QAnon is uh like the ultimate example of like what's old is new again and i think you know both both with the satanic panic and the um sort of abduction stuff it just hit a uh it, it hit a point where it's like it's not a story anymore you know, like we know, we've heard, you know, they take you, they take you on board and it's like they're little doctors and they, you know, make incisions and they put in, you know, and eventually it's just like, you know, Oprah doesn't want to do another alien abduction show. It's not bringing in the ratings anymore. And people are just tired of hearing about it. They're tired of the X-Files. They're interested in something else, you know, so it goes away for a while. And then, you know, like in the case of the satanic panic, like it just, it's just come back in like a new, even weirder form. Um, you know, uh, twisted into the style of the times, which is like weird, you know, Facebook echo chamber paranoia. Um, so, you know, if, uh, if QAnon starts saying that, uh, the aliens are coming down and abducting people in their sleep, you heard it here first that it was coming on uh conspiracy normal. Yeah, and also though too, like they've they've incorporated a lot of the uh, deep underground military base stuff. Well, that oh, tracks. Yeah. I mean, that that makes yeah. sense. And uh, you know, I try to keep it all as far away from me as possible. <laughs> these cute people, but uh, right. But I mean, like, why wouldn't you, right? And like, how, like, because the whole thing is just like all this like underground this and underground that and vats of this and vats of that. I mean, it's the whole you know, recycled narrative. Yeah. Um, Which something I think is really interesting about all this media is that, uh, you know, all these, this initial old media is like the self-generating nature of a lot of this stuff. So because so much comes from something like hypnosis or things can't be verified, uh, those things that can't be verified are then like used as sources for other things. And like, once it's gone through like two or three sources, you know, this is just like part of this, kind of collective knowledge now and uh you know it's it's just so it's so weird how how this stuff starts and just like self-generates and um 
you know, a book with no sources gets cited and then it becomes like this, this like web of like how this stuff spreads in these old books, you know, you're like, Oh, well, so-and-so, you know, in, in this book about the dumb said this. So, you know, and this witness, you know, this guy talked to a guy who talked to a guy who talked to a guy. And then it just, it becomes real. Yeah. I mean, all of these, uh, these sort of things, I mean, it's like, you can't verify it. So you can't like, uh, I mean, technically you can't disprove it, you know, even though your common sense tells you like, you know, well, you're, you're telling me not, you know, I can't verify that like this guy was a super soldier on Mars or that <laughs> this guy uh, got, you know, sent in the Montauk chair back, back in time to take Christ's blood. Um, you know, I, I have absolutely no proof that he didn't do that. It's just, I have every, you know, bone in my body and instinct telling me that like this fucking guy never did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an extreme example, but if you're just talking about like, you know, so-and-so major saw a light in the sky and wrote it up and the document got, passed around and this is the document, but all the, you know, names are blacked out. It's like, I guess it looks like a, you know, redacted document. Like, uh, I can cite that, you know, and then it just gets sort of like, you know, uh, backdoored into the narrative, but there's sort of like, there's nothing, there's no, there's like, there's not a better way because it is all like basically unverified and speculative. Well, that's a good segue into uh, you've you've had an interest in the the Montauk mythos, and um, as can, have I. Yeah, can you kind of give a, a background to where where that started uh, media wise? Uh, they what call it of- the internet, boys. It's going to be big one day, and that's where I heard about <laughs> it. Uh, I'm I'm really not kidding. I, I actually I read a Montauk book last night that was not by Preston Nichols or Al Bielik. It's sitting here somewhere, man. Yeah, this one, the Montauk Files. And I just, I wanted to read one that didn't have like any of those guys' names on it. Um, And it, I mean, it definitely cites them. So it's not like it's that special. Um, But it does have a good amount of pictures from inside the base in the 90s. Um, So it was already abandoned by then. But I mean, you know, the, the, the Montauk thing, it just, it sounds like the plot to a movie the first time you hear about it. You're like, are you kidding me with this shit? That's no. because it is the plot to uh, a plot to a very popular television yeah. show. Well, um, something interesting about it is that it's really like it seems like what fuels it is that urban exploration stuff, and it reminds me a lot of like uh, the show we had about Snake Land or these other mm-hmm. these other uh, abandoned places that like create these whole mythologies around them. And like, could that mythos have really come to be without this like weird abandoned installation? I think so. One thing you can actually go there now, like it's not totally closed off. You can't walk right up to the dish or at least legally you can't, but you can. Um, but you know, the park is open. Like you can get within a hundred feet of the dish, you know, and most of the buildings you can walk right up to the front of the building. It's just boarded up. Um, there's a map there that tells you where, you know, what all the buildings were like, it's, it's, you know, taken care of by the state park, uh, authority or whatever, whatever you call that. Um, and it seems to me really like there's like, there's two different, like moving pieces here. There's, there's 
a small town where there was a military base where it seems like maybe even after there shouldn't have been anything going on there, maybe there was some stuff going on. And some people have gone there. They've broken into some of these boarded up buildings. And like, you know, one thing they found was the acid house building, right? Uh, it's, it's normal, uh, you know, it looks like housing for soldiers that would have been there. But like one room has like all these crazy psychedelic swirls and one room has this like really jarring black and white pattern. And it's been hypothesized that, you know, people were dosed with, you know, mind control drugs and then thrown in there and, you know, God knows what was done to them. Um, and then there's, it seems like there's local folklore from the town that maybe there were, you know, teen runaways and stuff were being taken there and experimented on um, in the seventies and eighties. It could be anything, you know, it could, it could be something just as simple as like, I mean, military people engage in illicit activities all the time. Like they could have been running some kind of a prostitution ring out of there. I don't know. Um, they could have been experimenting with uh, mind control drugs and trying to, you know, fracture the psyche and uh, create super soldiers. Although I don't know why you'd need runaways to do that. I, I know that I'm positive that they explain it. You know, Preston Nichols would explain it to me if he was here right now. Um, but then the second level, so there's this like, there's this spooky little town with a spooky army base and like something weird was going on there. Nobody really knows what. Then you got these guys like Al Bielik, Preston Nichols, Stuart Swerdlow, which are all kind of like three separate things. Preston Nichols just seems like he's a fucking maniac, mad scientist guy. Um, you know, he claims to have, you know, 200 million IQ and uh, <laughs> has all these schematics of like, you know, mind control stuff and also things like that. It's a very questionable. Um, yes. Activities uh, <laughs> with uh, Duncan Cameron as well. Uh, yeah. The both yeah. of them. Yeah. Because I would say it's in the realm of possibility that Duncan Cameron and Preston Nichols may have gotten caught up in some kind of awful things that happened to them. Maybe even they were experimented on. I don't know. Um, you can watch like a two hour walkthrough of Montauk in 1993. That was filmed for Japanese TV. And Preston will point to all the things that just look like regular, um, you know, resistors and generator boxes inside the abandoned buildings. And it'll be like, you know, well, this is the mind control capacitor that, you know, helped to create things out of thoughts into thin. And, you know, it's like, I guess, dude, it, it just looks like a cable box to me. Uh-huh. Um, that's one thing. Stuart Swerdlow just seems like a guy that is just a straight, I mean, you know, it's straight up just I'm a Martian super soldier kind of guy, you know, nothing, mm -hmm. there, there's nothing there. He's just, you know, I, I he think something's like, he seems like an add on. Yeah. He can't, he's a, he's a come, uh, later yeah. member of the band, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now Al Bielik, and he, is, he claims to be like the grandson or something of the first president of the Soviet union. I mean, it's, he literally claims they sent him back weird. in time to take Jesus's blood. <laughs> to, okay. To clone yeah. Jesus. 
Yeah, that's believable. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, man, you I can, know, I can, you know, MK I'm, I'm Ultra. Uh, yeah, what's well, uh, uh, they also they, who was the guy, uh, the who was the guy, the lawyer in in New Mexico that uh, Bizano or whatever that claimed that he was at the he was carrying the he went back to the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a that's Al- another classic one. Al Bielik is the third sort of of the big three of this Montauk stuff, and the weird thing yeah. about Al Bielik is. He was around conspiracy stuff before Montauk. People don't really realize that, but he was a friend and associate of Ivan Sanderson. This is a magazine, a Fortean journal, I guess you could say, called Pursuit. Um, And, you know, they have stuff in here like there's a UFO article. There's an article about Tesla. There's an article about the Loch Ness Monster. This is from 1971. Listed in the back here uh, are all the different people. And, you know, you have like Ivan Sanderson is the second vice president of the Society for the Investigation of the Unexplained. Um, And then way down the list here, you have Al Bielik on one of the standing committees, the head of the standing committee on brain control. Okay, interesting. Before that, he's mentioned, I want to say in one of LA's forbidden science books as being like just a common cryptozoology guy, just a guy that was sort of like riding around with Ivan Sanderson. So I, and at some point I think Al Bielik, uh gets wind of this like little, I mean, he basically takes the, uh, the Philadelphia experiment thing, right? The Carlos Allende, uh, the whole, narrative there and is just like oh yeah i was one of the soldiers i uh I jumped off the boat and fell through time and uh here i am and i forgot until yesterday and i'm telling you um <laughs> and then he just somewhere in there he's just like weaves montauk into the story and mm-hmm. then you get um you get the philadelphia experiment and other ufo conspiracies by brad steiger with alfred bielik and sherry hansen steiger and, uh, you know, they tie in some Wilhelm Reich and, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, were they using orgone energy to generate the force field? So this but, book uh, uh, explained to me that there's because I'm, I'm sort of an orgone energy novice, you know, um, there's negative and positive orgone energy. And uh, they were using the negative Fuck, I can't remember, man. <laughs> They're using the negative <laughs> orgone energy to power something, you know, something evil and nefarious. That book is the the bon, the Montauk Files. Yeah, it's a it's a you, it's a quick. I mean, they got it all. Michael Aquino's in here too, and oh, greatest hits. Yeah, you, with you know, you gotta like you gotta hits. give the people what they want. <laughs> how, how is how is Aquino associated with the Montauk? <laughs> You know, last Philadelphia experiments. Basically, this is the part where I think they're trying to show some kind of like provenance for like uh, bad things happening to children on military bases. And so they're, they basically cite the Aquino, uh, you know, whatever he was. The Presidio stuff. Yes. Uh, they're basically like, you know, this might have happened too. So uh, they mm-hmm. probably were abusing children to turn them into time traveling super soldiers in like a beach town in Long Island. 
I mean, having been there, you do get a weird feeling when you're there. But like, I don't know if it's a weird feeling because I'm like, wow, that's that's really the radar dish from the pictures that I've been looking at, you know, in like grainy little pictures on the internet. Well, you know, there's a that's I'm glad that you brought that up because there's there's a lot of weird stuff about Long Island. I haven't been there other than like Queens, but you know, there's <laughs> there's the whole thing with um. It, it came up in the Sons of Sam documentary, yeah. Roy Raiden, and all the stuff that goes, the weird stuff that was going on in the Hamptons. Uh, Keel writes about Long Island pretty extensively in Mothman prophecies. Yeah, quite a bit. And how weird the stuff that was going on there. Um, I believe that the Roy Raiden material was the basis for Eyes Wide Shut. Okay, now I don't know how much that was actually associated with Berkowitz and the sons of the son of Sam and all that, but you know I think that there was definitely some knowledge that Kubrick knew about the, some of the weird wild parties that were going on in the Hamptons. But there's a lot of weirdness associated with Long Island that just does not get talked about. I mean, for one thing, I'm not you know. We're having a good time and, here. Am, We're Amityville, Amityville, let me add that too. I mean, uh, that's weird too. It is weird, but that's yeah. like that. Now, it, you want to talk about like the you know trickster paradigm, and I mean, there you have it, right? Yeah. Um, it feels like there's probably some weird shit that went down in Montauk, and it feels like it had something to do with the military base there, and it feels like. If I was a weird guy, either in the military or some military adjacent thing, and I wanted to experiment on people in the 70s, a really easy way to do that would be to pick up street kids in New York City and take them out to literally the end of New York, as far out as New York goes into the Atlantic Ocean, essentially, yeah, and uh, do whatever terrible things I was going to do. Um, and some of that may have had to do, you know, may have been ultra adjacent or some, you know, later uh, speculated there, you know, uh, descendant of the ultra line of experimentation, or it really could have just been like something as simple as like, you know, horrible people, sex trafficking. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, Uh, Um, but there is a weird energy on long Island. I agree. Everybody I've ever met from there is insane. Um, and I, you know, as I was showing before, it produced uh, the greatest American uh, rock band yes, ever. Yes, that's true. That's who, true. Uh, yeah. you know, band that sang about weird things quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, I I do not discount the mind control the, that possibility, and I always wondered that about Preston Nichols and our Al Bielik, whether that they were led to believe that they actually experienced these things. I'm less so about Al Bielik now. I think that he maybe just was from what you've just said, maybe he was just hopping on the bandwagon. This guy was I, around for a long time. I just think he found a good grift. He right. was looking for a good one his whole life. He found it and he was like, nobody can fact check me. Nobody remembers that I was the... <laughs> Well, is it brain control expert? <laughs> what What was interesting 
was that I remember, and I can remember quite distinctly, hearing Al Bielik. I didn't even know who it was at the time on Art Bell. I mean, I would just like, we'd stay up past midnight and just turn that shit on and just listen to it, right? And I I was a big fan of the Philadelphia Experiment movie from the 80s. Like when I was a kid, I watched that like so many times. It's just ridiculous. And I was just like, this is the movie. Everything he's saying, like we it's just the we, straight we went, up the plot to the movie. Yeah, we went back to 1983. And like, this is like 1998 or 99 that I'm hearing this. And I'm like, this is the movie. Like, this is just, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> and, and people are just buying it, you know, cause well, I and guess at some they point just they started never, never seen it ad infinitum on HBO. Like I had when I Dude, was seven, it was just, impo- it was on cable <laughs> so much, right? It was on so much. And what I, you know, also once they started weaving in the other like dumbs kind of stuff to that, montauk narrative and just being like oh and there were aliens there and there were uh you know uh drinking our blood you know this and that and the other thing it's just i mean he's playing to the to the crowd at that point you know um yeah i i mean i also think uh sometimes and especially because of things like the montauk mythos that the uh the mind control sort of wasn't as sophisticated as like maybe we think you know and it wasn't like this uh super super sophisticated you know it's like it's always like somebody like punching buttons into a keypad and like zapping someone's brain and like i think they might have just dosed them with lsd and like left them in the dark you know Mm -hmm. i don't know man um anyway that's my sort of that's my take on the montauk project there's my experimented time well, it has become such a I think the only reason that the Philadelphia experiment got put into the whole thing was Al Bielik. Yeah. Because I, I agree. of he just I think that what probably what his his act of genius, I guess, was just associating Montauk with and what was going on there with what happened in, you know. 1983 and 1943 met for a moment or whatever. And I think that that's the only reason that that even gets associated. And the Philadelphia experiment is just really, I think just based off a huge, huge misunderstanding. (laughs) I see no reason to assume anything otherwise. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly think, Look, man, if the military got the ship to disappear and then it came back and there were some people fused to the hull, they just would have been like, all right, well, we got to figure out how to do it without the guys getting fused to the hull. Like, they wouldn't have just been like, oh, no, <laughs> like, we're not going right. to touch this again, man. Like, if they can, they will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess the problem is for, I don't even think that many people really like buy into this stuff anymore, but this was like at a height, you know, like you said, during the art bell era. And I, you know, those people also buy into the whole, like everything, you know, the time traveling chair and the everything. Well, like I was, I was uh, asking Aaron Gullius, like when we were talking about some of these really disreputable authors uh, from back in the day, um, 
you know, can these like weird ex- experiencers, I guess you'd call them, or like certain types of targeted individuals with really elaborate stories, can these like type of people really become these popular kind of s- spokespeople like they used to, or is that kind of just over with? Well, uh, so you're thinking of like an Adamski kind of guy. Is that what you mean? Or like the guys surrounding Montauk or like a James Shelby Downard or like a, you know, whoever, like a, well, I'll tell you, it may be over in the, in some circles, but I think that in others it is not. And I would, I mean, have we seen like in the Q crowd though, have we seen people come forward like they did during the satanic panic and say like, yeah, I was in one of these dumbs and this is, yeah, there's, I mean, maybe not yet, but it probably will happen. It has to Um, happen. Right. I I can tell it's going to continue, but people's identities are so documented now. And people have been so public most of their lives, you know, with young people that like. Yeah, but think about somebody like Corey Good. I mean, Corey Good. But still, is that's a perfect example. But he's still old enough that that's like you know, like he could have yeah. a mysterious past. Whereas, like, if you grow up, you know, on MySpace and Facebook now, like, you can't really like just make up this elaborate hoax past or like you know, I just well, don't know if it's gonna happen anymore. I would. I would say I hope you're right, but I would also say we've clearly seen that people will believe some ridiculous shit. Yeah. And I think it'd be really easy to say like, oh, yeah, my Facebook photos from, you know, 2009, those are actually CGI staged on a green screen. That's not my real father because I was uh, (laughs) bred in a um, reptilian endocrine lab, um, you know, till (laughs) till the age of 16. And then I escaped, you know, like sounds pretty fucking wild to us. But if you're already buying the lie, you know, I mean, they're like wrestling fans or something, right? You know, they like, well, not exact because wrestling fans know it's fake. So I, <laughs> I don't know, man. But, you know, you, you you just you play to your crowd. You just you you feed them that story and they go, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, that's what Hillary would do. She would Photoshop the children into fake MySpace profile or Facebook profiles. And, you know, but for something everything. as big as QAnon, like I feel like a, a victim would have come out by now, a high profile victim, you know, with a. Maybe they you know have, you need to stop because you are going to manifest that victim into really existing, that's, that's and then it. we're not going to hear the end of it. That's yeah. it. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, I think in answer to Sergio's question, I would say like not yet, but I could really see that happening. Yeah, they're being trained in Russia happening. right now. I think that that's probably going to be one of the next things. But I, but I'll tell you, even ten years ago, and this was literally ten years ago when I went to the Future Congress. I met this guy, Doc Marquis, RIP, uh, who I had on the show later on a couple times, claimed to be the Illuminati witch, oh, you know, that, that found Jesus and all this type of thing. Well, you know, nobody ever checked up. Nobody ever cared to check up. You know, he was just some guy. And, and it was just, you know, but th- people were still, I think, even as late as 10 years ago, maintaining that and Corey good is even that's even sooner than 10 years ago. So, I mean, I think that 
Yeah, I think that it's 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 easier now to discount those people than it would have been in the 1980s or 90s. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have people that are going to still believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's it. It it it's it really going to depend on the certain subculture or subculture of a subculture that you're in and how those people, it's like the will to believe the want, I guess, like a better term, the want to believe that those people have is going to be really, really powerful. But like, look at QAnon, the entire thing's based on anonymous sources. Like, right. Whereas like all these, these things from the past were like a, witness or a researcher or you know yeah someone who has a story who says i was there you know they were breeding babies for satanic sacrifices or whatever um but it's just it's it's weird we're gonna see i guess we're gonna see you know it's weird that not more of the old wave of satanic panic people have come and sort of like sunk sunk their fangs into it in that way um oh what was the woman kath Kathleen Kathy O'Brien. Where is she? Right. (laughs) Where is she? I think she was from around here. So Um, (laughs) maybe we should find her. And that whole, like the guy who gave the green bomb speech, I think is still, still alive. You know, Um, like, where's that guy? Yeah. You'd think they'd be trying to cash in now. Like, see, I told you. Yeah. Or, or just, you know, even, I mean, I don't know, whatever. I don't want to put horrible ideas out into the universe, but um, all that stuff. Hey, well, Rush, that would Russians, be the come with thing. the checks. Come with the checks. That would be yep. the next thing for anybody that's out there. That there you go. There's there's your idea. If you want to, if you want to cash in, become the become the the one of the you 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 never know. In like about ten years, you might have the kids that said, "Oh, I was in the dungeon," because right now, if they're kids. You know, you might start seeing this come out oh, in about, in, a, in a few years. So, th- this shit will place. this shit will always will always perpetuate itself. I think, and like I said before, I mean, I said it on the last episode. I would love to do, I don't know, a documentary or a film about someone that just like has just made their life all about this mythology that they have built around themselves. I I've I've I actually did get to know someone that Doc Marquis. I got to know him a little bit. I talked to the guy on the phone, and it was like you know, he. I think he really came to believe his own bullshit. I honestly do. The long the long con. Yeah, yeah. I think I think psychologically, I think people begin to believe that they actually experience what they said they did. And then it becomes really, really complex after that. I think liars in and of themselves will tend to believe their own lies. So it's not technically a lie to them if they believe that it was real. <laughs> I mean, some of this stuff, you know, it's like, who who, who can even say? Um, but in all this media, I mean, you see the the genesis of so much of the stuff. That's, that's what, what's really fascinating about it to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, same with the, 
you know the ufo stuff going on now like it's it's really kind of astounding um the way that it's being positioned and the way that it's all just kind of like recycling like a handful of tropes i mean like here's the ufo evidence which is a nicap uh report and this i mean this thing has like the Na like a bunch of people from the navy involved in it you know giving their assessment on ufos and it has some really weird shit that's not going to be talked about in this run of navy like this is a i mean this is going to mean nothing me holding it up but just so you can see that it exists this is a table a spreadsheet of angel hair or gossamer falls associated with ufo sightings like but then you know you've got like a thing that a whole section on pilots and aviation experts who've seen them this is like you know compiled in the 60s at um at the nightcap offices in washington dc which it, it's amazing that you could have a an office of operations for a ufo brick and uh, mortar brick and mortar real one in on connecticut avenue in washington dc northwest dc um you know and you've got all kinds of doctors you know two dozen doctors here uh, a bunch of aeronautics and aerospace people um and then you've got your guys like uh leonard stringfield in here um you know sort of like your public relations uh and press relations like this is as official as as anything you know like the forthcoming report you know which is going to be groundbreaking which we've never seen anything like before and this is literally that from 1964 um what's old is new again like i said before um except this shit is cooler and then you also get things like this that just oh, come shit. down the pipe this is a george adamski book published by gray barker um and the coolest thing here which i sadly have not done yet but it i finished grad school and on my agenda this week is to go to george adamski's grave site in uh oh, in man. arlington national cemetery which is like 20 minutes from where i am right now cool and there's a picture of gray barker at george adamski's grave and, you know if you like that contacty stuff, in my opinion, I mean, you can't get any better than that. We look forward to seeing that that selfie, man. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll send it over. Um, yeah, man. I mean, they, this is just as classic. They just, you know, reuse the same narrative every however long they need. And what's old is new again. That's very, very true. Was there was there anything else that you wanted to show us uh, that you have there? Let me see if I got anything else super cool. Actually, this is cool. This is a fucking UFO coloring book for kids. Oh, shit. And, I mean, whatever. It looks like it was... So somebody told me that it's actually cobbled out of uh, maybe like gold key comics or something like that. And it's just the black and white images for them. But in here... Hope I can find it. 
one of these pages has a portrait that is so obviously it's it's like they're talking about uh, swamp gas, and it's a picture of Heineck in a kid's coloring book. I'm not going to be able to find it now. That's the problem. Jesus Christ! I should have bookmarked it. There he is, the cool. good doctor, and uh, he's saying. Trapped under the winter ice, the gas was released by the spring thaw. The gas was produced by rotting vegetation. Kids coloring book, man. That like that's just that's pretty weird. cool. Yeah. That's weird as hell. What's uh what how long what's the date on that? Do you know? Let's see if I can discern it. I think based on the cover, this was published around Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay, but but it's like recycled images from 1960s sort of pulp comics. Gotcha. Uh, MCMLXXVIII. That's 78, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's about. So yeah, this is definitely yeah. made for Close Encounters. That's about the same time, right? Okay. Um, you know what that's, I have? A, oh, go ahead. That's interesting. Just that. That's like uh, that's that's. The type of media that's a media that's um, uh, targeted to children. I think that's pretty cool. Well, and like all of us had much. experiences with those time life books and stuff. Like even though yeah. those were sold to families, like they're yeah. really formatted for kids, right? Like yeah, you're buying right, them for right. the whole family. But yeah. like, what in God's name? Why would who buys a I'm pretty sure volume that, yeah hardback set of stuff with <laughs> on those topics like UFOs and the occult and I'm pretty sure the commercial, I don't remember how it happened, but I'm pretty sure the commercial came on and like my parents just knew they had to get it. Like, read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but it's so iconic. I mean, we're all around the same age, I think. Um, How old are you guys? I'm 44. I'm going to be turning 38. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be 40 in two weeks. I mean, we all remember those commercials. We all like it's just like tattooed on the back of your brain, man. Oh yeah, I remember those commercials. I remember Unsolved Mysteries. I remember, you know, all that stuff wedged in between GI Joe and Transformers, bro. I remember and then, the the Dianetics commercials, all that, all that stuff. <laughs> the erupting think, volcano. You know, uh, and that's I think that's, I think that's why all three of us are here. To let people know that there was a robust and super fucking cool uh, world of weird UFO and paranormal shit out there. And it's still, it's findable and you, people should be saving this stuff. Yeah, Collected. it needs to be preserved and archived. It, it, needs to, it, it definitely needs to be preserved and archived, but also it just needs to be enjoyed, man. Just, yeah, you know, and if you're one of those people, oh, I don't like to have a lot of stuff. Archive.org has like an amazing selection of this stuff. And you yeah. can get like the thing that I love that I got there are the phone call tapes uh, from New Fork, which was, you know, one of the many UFO groups uh, in the 70s. And this guy has like a velvet voice that's taking these calls. He has an amazing voice and he's just taking all these calls on sightings. You can download one of all the creature reports that they got. And it's just like, Go look around. Go look around for something that's not that's not on UFO Twitter. I guarantee you it will be more rewarding to you. Yes, sir. 
Speaking of the uh, preservation and archiving, do you uh, have methods? I know like uh, for people who can see this, you definitely keep things in uh, plastic if you can. Do you have like a special box or folders or shelves or anything like that? I don't that? right now. One day I will. Um, one day, it, you know, where I'm living now is actually a temporary abode, but um, at some point, you know, I'd like to get everything bagged up and just put in a better put in yeah. better order but um same here with a lot of know. a lot of different like rare books and and things like that i want to start like kind of following archival methods and um you know because even in just like the wear and tear since i've had some stuff for even short times you can see it if you don't really like take care of the stuff especially a lot of these like pulpy ufo books they just fall yeah right they're out just the binding the acid and it's just yeah Mm-hmm. yeah look around and look around used bookstores man because a lot of times they don't know what this stuff is and they don't care they just someone dropped it off they want to get rid of it you can get a lot of these uh pulpy ufo books cheap yeah like you said you got that report uh the roper report that was from something the casey foundation was wanting to throw yeah out, the uh so. down in virginia beach they still they actually they still maintain a great library and a lot of pictures that i've posted over the years on uh, vintage ufos are from that library um anybody can go in there i don't know what the covid regulations are but um i, I think everything's lifting pretty much everywhere now and you know the crystals will uh, protect you if you're in there yes yes um, abs- absolutely uh and they they have a they actually they had a great collection of zines that they sold, and I, I know some people bought them, but they still have a great book collection and uh, videos and stuff. They do have the Montauk video there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look around for weird places like that in your town. Just uh, stop posting on Twitter so much, Facebook. <laughs> I just no. think I think we'd all be happier, right? Yeah, no truer words were spoken. Thank you, Chris. This has been awesome uh, to talk to you about this. You're gonna you're gonna hang out with us for something that we probably people have already heard at this point. But uh, tell people. Thank you for having they, me. It was yeah, super super man. cool, man. Thank absolutely, you. It's just the highlight yeah. of my week. Yeah. Um, tell people where they can find uh, your kind of like web presence now that we've like thoroughly bashed Facebook and Twitter. Well, uh, you can find me on Instagram, of course. Totally different from those things. Uh, <laughs> yes, a completely different animal. Um, it, I'm at Vintage UFOs, and I just post pictures of stuff like the stuff I've been showing. And um, I just want to say the only reason that I'm doing it is because there was no other like old UFO stuff account out there. Um, I don't have the best collection, and I don't know the most. So by all means, like somebody else show me up. Like I just start your own and start posting stuff. And like, I will absolutely bow to your dominance. Um, I'm not, not here to gatekeep anyone or be like, I'm the guy. Cause I'm just a guy. Absolutely. So, vintage yeah. UFOs. As are we. And uh, you actually got in touch with us and now here you are on the show. So um, we're going to go ahead and close the show. We'll close the show out here. Uh, you guys can see if you're watching this on the YouTube channel in the background, you have seen the, uh, 
a one of the versions of everybody that is at the uh, Strange Realities Conference, October fifteenth through seventeenth. That that's SIR Nashville. That's not Sir Nashville. Uh, Sir Nashville. That's been revised on one of the other ones. Um, but uh, you guys can see up there the people that we have speaking: Dr. Stephen Finley, Alan Greenfield, Soraya Ascath, Tim Banal, Dr. Future, Jose Herrera. Josh Kutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Nathan Isaac, P.D. Newman, Steven Snyder, a.k.a. Recluse, who uh, Chris has been also on his show, The Farm, and uh, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Steve Stockton, and, of course, last but not least, Ren Collier. And uh, There's an entire other row that, yeah. that we can't see at the moment, too. Most everyone will be there um, at uh, the... Uh, Strange Realities Conference. In person in and online hybrid. Yes. Event. Yes. And uh, before we let you go, though, Chris, I do just got to ask you, man, how much Topo Chico do you go through? So, Serfiel is asking me this because I, when when I'm on the uh, Conspiranormal Zoom chat, I'm always <laughs> man, drinking this. pounding them. Well, here's it. So here's the deal. I mean, We're always I, pounding Modelo's, and you're just like pounding <laughs> yeah. sixes of that pot pies and uh, Modelo's. I'm a <laughs> I when I've always been a seltzer guy, um, but when the pandemic hit, I just started buying. T- I was like, "Fuck it, man! I could die. Like I'm just gonna drink the the best uh, s- sparkling water I can get." And now I yeah. can't stop. So I'm probably like a twelve pack a week, which is. Dang. Okay. Nah, it's not that bad. It's like twelve dollars or something. You know, like you yeah, space yeah. that out over a week. It's it's acceptable. Well, it's not bad but, for uh, you. So, what if it is though? <laughs> that's gonna be my conspiracy. You only live angle. once, man. Yeah, it's true. Nah, it, that's, that's a right. fact. Yolo. All right, guys. Uh, also, guys, we have our Patreon. That is, uh, Serfiel can tell you where to find that if you guys want to contribute to the cause and join the secret societies. You can be have one of on the there. elect, like Chris, and That's join right. our Patreon secret societies. Uh, $5 a month gets you into the International Association of Conspiranormalists, where you get an episode, extra bonus episode every week, as well as communications from the center of the order. Uh, $10 gets you into the Mystic Crew, uh, where you can join our monthly balls of revelry. And uh, you get to see presentations that are exclusive to that. And it's kind of like a, a cool little incubator for new ideas and cutting edge research of people that you'd recognize from the show, good friends of the show and other researchers. Uh, That's every month for the $10 level, $20 and up gets you into the ancient circle of strange realities uh, where you get the real deal, final secrets of the Illuminati and uh, a VIP experience at the strange realities conference. So many secrets as well as uh, all the previous benefits. So check us out on patreon.com slash conspiranormal and begin your journey all right youtube conspiranormal podcast and like us on facebook no one's done that in a while so all right guys remember strange realities conference october 15th through 17th in nashville and also online too so uh we will be probably running a special at some point on the in-person uh admission so all right guys 
We'll talk to you next time on Conspiranormal. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.